research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. This is Peter Schweitzer, and welcome to The Drill Down. So today we're going to talk about a very important issue that has touched all of our lives. Uh, Eric Eggers, has your life been influenced by the coronavirus? Absolutely. I mean, we've consumed everything there is to consume on Disney Plus, because uh, <laughs> when you have small children, that is 100 Like, we have watched... All the derivative Little Mermaid movies, like and that's a hundred percent because of COVID. Yeah, that's right. I'm, you know, think about all the things that's happened. The economy uh, went through a horrible situation. We've had uh, half a million people uh, that have died. We've had this enormous disruption, and on top of that, we've had a massive government failure because this was something that people talked about might happen, uh, that could happen. We spend a lot of money in government agencies to try to deal with these issues, but it's been an absolute, complete, and total failure. Uh, so this is not just a podcast today about the disease. It's a talk about how the government has failed us uh, because of the things they've done and the things that they failed to do. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, topic for somebody in the conservative media space, right? Because I think as a rule, we rely on the government for not a ton. I think we sort of take pride in that. But, um, you know, of all the things the government has sort of grown into and the role they play in lots of areas of our life, the one thing I think most people would say, well, that we do sort of rely on the government for some basic fundamental needs, and that would be to keep us safe. And I think this failure here, as, as you noted, has massively disrupted our lives, right? We've got 500,000 people dead. The economy has been obliterated. And uh, I think, you know, you use a line, which I think is excellent. This was, in some way, the Pearl Harbor of public health, right? So this disaster, this catastrophe, we didn't see it coming and um, we were woefully unprepared. And then, so the question is, well, well, why, right? And why weren't the systems that we do have in place and the systems that quite honestly, we pay lots and lots of money to as taxpayers, how come they didn't seem to be in a, pos a position or posture that was more nimbly able to address it? Yeah, and we're going to talk about that in detail today. We're going to go through the history. We're going to talk about mission creep, uh, how these government agencies that are supposed to be dealing with disease, that's their central defining purpose, are off doing all kinds of crazy things. We're going to talk about how the Biden administration is actually cutting. They want to cut spending on researching and combating infectious diseases, which is uh, remarkable. But let's step back for a minute and go back to early 2020 when this disease was just emerging. Uh, as we're going to talk about in a little bit, we spend billions of dollars every year uh, to look at diseases. Anthony Fauci, uh, who is supposed to be the guy who tracks these uh, illnesses for the federal government, highest paid federal government employee in the United States. Um, he was telling us in early 2020 uh, that this was going to be like the flu. It was no big deal. You could go on a cruise. Don't be worried about it. What can you tell the American people uh, about what's going on? Should they be scared? Uh, I don't think so. The American people should not be worried or frightened by this. It's a very, very low risk to the United States. It isn't something that the American public needs to worry about or be frightened about. 
So, Dr. Fauci, it's Saturday morning in America. People are waking up right now with real concerns about this. They want to go to malls and movies, maybe the gym as well. Should we be changing our habits? And if so, how? No, right now, at this moment, there is no need to change anything that you're doing on a day-by-day basis. I think the American people, I know the American people, should really take the following attitude. The risk right now in the United States is really low. It's an evolving problem. And it's evolving very crucially and critically in China. Right now, people who want to fly anywhere in the United States, they shouldn't worry at all. A lot of people are planning cruises over the spring break. Would you recommend that anybody, even a healthy person, get on board a cruise ship? I, I think if you're a healthy young person, that there is no reason, if you want to go on a cruise ship, to go on a cruise ship. What about avoiding large crowds? Should I be cognizant of that as well? Well, yeah, you, but actually depends on what you mean. If you're talking about coronavirus, it, it is not circulating in this country. So there's no issue with regard to crowds. But we are still in the middle of a flu season. The flu is a real and present issue that we are going through right now. Uh, In an email on uh, February 5th, 2020, uh, an email that just came out, he stated that masks are ineffective to combat the virus because the virus is so small that masks would be useless. So he's apparently completely wrong about that. Uh, And of course, you had the depleted stockpile of masks. Uh, The Center for Disease Control never replenished the strategic national stockpile. So we had millions of masks that we were supposed to have, the federal government was supposed to order, and they never really did. But let's talk a little bit more foundationally about that, Eric. What do you think an organization called the Centers for Disease Control is supposed to do? Uh, yeah, one would presume it's got something to do with diseases and uh, maybe controlling them. That's right. And that's that you get you get extra bonus. Dude, that's that. why I'm here. You know what I'm saying? Let her just let anybody sit next to Schweitzer. Yeah. See, it was started in 1946 as the Communicable Disease Center. And their mission was and then to prevent malaria. And then they moved on to other diseases. Today, the CDC has a $7 billion budget. That's with a B. That's more than 200% larger than it was two decades ago. So it's growing. Which it's means getting bigger. we should only have increased in our capacity to control diseases. Yeah. Like yeah. we should be like so much better at this than we were 100 years ago. Yeah. Until we see in a minute how they actually spend their money. Uh, the National Institute of Health was uh, originally the Laboratory of Hygiene. It was started in 1887 to study bacteria. Laboratory of Hygiene is a terrible name, it right? Is. It's scary. Like it sounds neither hygienic nor all that scientific. No, it's not. And it was it was started in, in, in basically a one-room lab, you know, off in the country somewhere. But their mission was to, quote, seek fundamental knowledge about the nature and behavior of living systems and the application of that knowledge to advance health, lengthen life, and reduce illness and disability. Sounds like a great concept, but they've gone far beyond that. As I said, the CDC has a $7 billion budget. The NIH has a $41 billion budget. So all told, right, we're talking nearly $50 billion towards community public health. And this is the system that, you know, largely, I'd say, with, you know, Room for improvement in the old pandemic response department, yeah? (laughs) I think that's probably right. Okay. Now, have you ever heard of a concept called mission creep? Uh, Absolutely. It's like when you tell me how to do my job. (laughs) But define it. Tell people what mission creep is. Yes. (laughs) It would be like if Kentucky Fried Chicken started serving steak sandwiches, right? Right. I mean, you start off, you're doing one thing. We're pretty good at this one thing. And then all of a sudden we decide we're going to get into 
other things. Exactly. Especially if the boss says we're only going to make chicken and you decide you're going to go off and do steaks. And so the CDC today duplicates the work of over 19 other government agencies in 2019, the year before the pandemic, less than 10 percent. Consider this less than 10 percent of the CDC's budget actually went to emerging and zoonic infectious diseases, which is studying diseases like covid. Um, that's the same amount of money that they allocated for injury prevention and control, including elderly falls. Now, we don't want old people to fall. I'm but- glad you clarified that because you were 100 percent coming off of anti senior <laughs> for a minute. You're like, I don't know. Peter Schweitzer hates old people. But also diseases, right? I, so I guess, you know. I, I love p- old people yeah. because I'm becoming an old person. But, you know, again, the question is why is something called the Centers for Disease Control dealing with elderly falls? But it goes beyond these raw numbers because, Eric, there's a lot of crazy things the CDC is actually funding when they're actually supposed to be fighting diseases. Yeah, I remember when, um, you know, everything started falling apart societally back in March of last year and we were still coming in the office and we're trying to figure this out. And you you asked that question, like, why is it that we are being caught so flat footed as it looked like we stared off from the distance and saw no solutions on the horizon? And so we started doing research on this and we found this audit that people had done. And that's in these stats you're citing that came from an audit and some of the in- independent research we've done on this into like, what does the CDC spend money on and how come we're not spending money on things that seem like be more relevant today? So, yeah, the CDC's done some silly stuff, right? Like, I mean, not the silly that, hey... So they spent money on uh, video games, for example, right? In uh, the wake of several school shootings in the Obama administration, we spent $10 million to study violent video games and media images. And you get like, well, no one's pro, you know, school shooting. We should certainly do what we can to try to stop that. But is that part of the Center for Disease Control's original mission? And when you see somebody being less good at controlling diseases, and that's where I think some of these things become fair. Yeah, where's, where's the disease part in that? I don't understand. Well, I'll tell you what, <laughs> that is, it's fun to think about where the disease part comes in the next one, right? The CDC spends money to study playground safety. <laughs> like, I th- side note, would not diseased playground equipment be a great grunge band name? Yeah, yeah, 100%, yeah, right? Yeah. But yeah, the CDC spends money yeah. on playground safety and to promote, quote, positive community norms. And uh, they even spend money going towards a transgender beauty pageant, oh, as a, a 2007 audit found, and safe sex events with porn stars in the name of syphilis and HIV present- prevention. So that's actually maybe a little bit more in line with the actual mission, right? Because there's diseases that they're trying to prevent, and they're getting creative with it. But, you know, those are our tax dollars that are funding transgender beauty pageants. Yeah. And what they've done is they've gone from being a research organization, a research entity that was supposed to figure out how we combat the diseases and to make sure the medicines are available. And now they're doing all these kind of crazy educational things. That's the Center for Disease Control. Let's look at NIH, the National Institute of Health. Uh, This is where Dr. Fauci is, much bigger budget. Um, And they have serious problems. You're going to give us a list of some crazy things NIH has been doing in a minute. Uh, But if you look at just the research they do, um, there's a professor of uh, epidemiology at Yale University, Michael Bracken, who's looked at NIH and says 87% of their research is either wasteful or inefficient. 
And what he did was he looked at all the money they're spending doing research on various issues related to um, health and infectious diseases. And what he found is that a lot of the research never leads to any kind of publication, which means nobody knows even what they were working on or or what they discovered. Um, and they also found out that uh, of those that were released, um, most of them had design flaws. So it ends up that about an eighth, one out of eight research dollars that they actually spend is effectively spent in this area. It's a huge amount of waste, but not to be left out. NIH does a lot of crazy stuff as well. But it's not just a question of all this ineffective money, this wasted on NIH. Again, you've got mission creep, this idea that they're going beyond what you expect a government agency that's supposed to be doing very serious thing. They're doing all kinds of crazy things with these tax dollars as well. Yeah, it's a slightly broader mission, right? National Institute of Health. So, um, you know, some of the stuff may be a little bit more defensible on their budget. Remember, six times the budget of the CDC. And with that money, they're doing things like studying the impact of cocaine or methamphetamine by testing on rats and seeing if rats preferred classical music or jazz. Uh, you know, <laughs> fun fact, the results of that study, which maybe is one of the few ones that did get published, right? They did find that rats prefer Miles Davis, which, you know, who doesn't like Miles Davis? That great. Rats have very good taste. And I don't know rats ever picking Vivaldi or, or uh, classical music. Let's so. leave your cultural snobbery out of this, please. <laughs> uh, the the uh, NIH has also spent $5 million. This one's kind of insane uh, for the Help a Hipster movement. I think they're trying to sort of in, you know, for lack of a better term, <laughs> infiltrate this uh, different cultural emerging movement that was happening. And so they spent money to uh, throw parties, nightclubs, rock bands, uh, as we found. And this is something that has happened historically, but I think they're continuing to throw transgender beauty pageants and things with let's call it alternate cultural appeal uh, in, as part of the uh, health thing for the help hipster movement. So that's still happening. And as we've seen, some people have criticized the money that NIH spent that ended up in the Wuhan lab, but that's not the only international locale that's getting some NIH funding. We spent over $100,000 to st study smoking in Russia. People, which, people in Russia smoke. It goes well with the vodka. So, yeah. uh, no, I mean, if you can stop smoking in Russia, then, you know, maybe you deserve a, a grant. But Because I have to say, every action movie I've ever seen with a bad Russian is always smoking. I think every movie you've ever seen is a bad movie with Russian <laughs> villains. You have terrible taste in cinema, okay taste in music with the Vivaldi. But I mean, basically it's like he, Peter Schwartz is in here waiting for Fast and Furious 13 to come out. You know what I mean? He likes the villains. But no, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we're spending money on. We've seen stuff where they spend a million dollars to uh, have monkeys run on a treadmill in a hamster ball. Unbelievable. Um, $387,000 to give Swedish massages to rabbits. Oh. Uh, which unfortunately were euthanized at the end of the study. And then three and a half million dollars to see why lesbians are fat, but gay men are not. What, I, I, what was the conclusion of that study? Do you know? I cannot believe you're asking me that. And <laughs> I'm, just, I take I'm, it, I'm actually curious. I take it personally. I'm not sure which category you think I fall into what, from a body shape standpoint, but um, I don't know. I didn't read that study. Well, so this is all stuff that's happened in the past, but it's got us to the point where we were woefully unprepared for this pandemic. There were warnings. There had been federal government studies um, and and uh, exercises done to prepare for precisely this kind of scenario. But we were completely caught flat footed. But we know more about smoking in Russia. We know more about uh, 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 rabbits getting Swedish massage, things that are clearly completely off mission. Um, and to me, that in and of itself is outrageous and demands investigation. 
And if you look through American history, Eric, uh, at what happened at Pearl Harbor or what happened uh, after 9-11, those traumatic events were recognized as huge failures. So you had um, during World War II something called the Roberts Commission, which was organized to try to figure out which government agencies failed. Why did we have this massive intelligence failure that led to the Japanese having a sneak attack we were unprepared to? And of course, we had the 9-11 Commission after 9-11. And there were a lot of big reforms that came out of that. Some heads rolled, but there was a agreement that the FBI and the CIA needed to communicate more. There were other reforms made. And so the question is, we're at this point in time now where we're getting back to normal, where the economy's turning or opening up. Uh, kids are you know, going back to school all around the country, not just here in Florida, or at least will be in the fall. Um, and the question is, is, is that going to be the tone of the Biden administration to want to hold government accountable and government officials accountable to how they were so such miserable failures on this? Do you think that's going to happen? Yeah, it's a good question. And it's a question of, um, you know, on some level, I'm just thinking you mentioned 9-11 Commission, Pearl Harbor Commission. I'm just thinking back to our national sort of response to both of those. And uh, it's an interesting question because those both cost a lot of money. And there's a lot of weird stuff that happened, right? I mean, one led to the internment of certain populations. One led to the Patriot Act, which arguably led to the elimination of some personal freedom. So, yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting question. Um, what will happen as part of the response? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you think? Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, you had this push in the Senate uh, for this national commission to investigate the January 6th, the, the right. events that happened, the no, capital visiting. Um, and and to me, that was a relatively minor event compared to what happened with COVID. So the question is, are the people that wanted to investigate January 6th, mm. which to me was kind of a bunch of yahoos that that uh, made some stupid decisions and they ought to be held accountable for it. But here we're talking about something that cuts that shuts down our entire country, kills half a million Americans uh, and, and needs serious investigation. The problem is, I think we put people like Dr. Fauci and a lot of these other scientists up on a pedestal, yeah. um, people get intimidated because they're using medical terms, they're medical experts, and they somehow feel like, well, we don't want to challenge their authority because we're challenging science. Dr. Fauci is a human being. He's a bureaucrat. He is obviously a smart man, but he has institutional interests that he wants to protect. He doesn't want to be embarrassed. Uh, he wants more you know, money for his uh, government agency. He doesn't want power and influence taken away. Yeah, and to your point, he's a bureaucrat, and he's not been a bureaucrat that's been immune from criticism. I mean, going back to 2003, he's been criticized in a quite public way for maybe not being the smartest guy in the room. We hear from a physician in Durham, North Carolina. Good morning. Hi, good morning, Dr. Fauci. Good morning. And, um, Pedro. Um, you've been at the NIH a pretty long time, and it seems to me that during your tenure, our ability to control infectious diseases hasn't improved, but in fact worsened. And even basic health tips such as you can't use antibiotics to treat viral infections has not been adequately communicated to the public because, for instance, people will come in demanding an antibiotic for a common cold which, or any other viral infection, which has certainly served to um, create more resistant strains, not saying that this has anything to do with this particular SARS epidemic, but um, don't you think it's time that you step down and let someone else who has a more effective message? 
<laughs> Actually, no. <laughs> and people need to recognize that. And these individuals need to be held into account. And these institutions need to be held into account. And that's only going to happen. But I think by there being a independent commission like the Roberts Commission, not like the 9-11 Commission that says we look need to look into this. The problem is, I don't think that Joe Biden uh, has a stomach for it. And the example of that is the budget that the Biden administration has proposed, uh, which is really honestly shocking to me. We just had COVID. Half a million people died. If you look at the proposed budget that the Biden administration has put out for the Centers for Disease Control, they are actually proposing budget cuts, not increases, cuts in the area of emerging and zoonic infectious diseases by $170 million. They want cuts. At the same time, what's going up? HIV and AIDS work is going to increase $279 million. Nobody here wants anything other than an effective campaign against AIDS. But the reality is that the number of AIDS cases in the United States has been going down. There's been a lot of education. There's been a lot of preventive work that's been done. It's not a growing threat where it seems like with COVID-19, that ought to be the priority for an organization like the Centers for Disease Control. Yeah, HIV diagnosis has gone down 9% in the last seven years, which I think speaks to the effectiveness of what can happen when you focus on a thing, you make it a, you know, you make it a priority. And so, yeah, I was actually sort of shocked when we looked up the stats because of the budget. 36,000 people received an HIV diagnosis in the United States in 2019, right? Which considering where it used to be, I mean, that seems shockingly low and certainly compared to the number of cases and deaths that we've seen related to the pandemic. So the idea that HIV AIDS funding is up by 279 million, zoonotic and emerging infectious diseases down by 170. We also saw an increase in the, and this is the proposed budget, right? We'll see what happens. But we also saw an increase in the intentional injury prevention uh, topic, which seems just kind of an interesting, just a bizarre priorities, right? Bizarre yeah. prioritization. But it's an excellent point that you bring up. January 6th, whatever you want to say about that, but the number of people that were actually involved and impacted by that and the amount of energy and oxygen that's spent calling for investigations and a full vetting of that process versus the complete and total failure of our public health infrastructure system, it does seem like we should be spending a little bit more time on that if we're, which one are we actually trying to prevent in the future? Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So let's imagine in closing that the military, uh, of which we give a lot of money and there's a lot of brave men and women, uh, go off and fight a war and they massively lose. And But they come back and they say, yeah, we lost the war, but we built some play- playgrounds, we built some bridges, so everything's okay. Nobody would be satisfied with that, right? Because the military is their their central purpose. They can build some roads. That's fine. Uh, They can help with disaster relief. That's great. Their central purpose and mission is to win wars for their country. It's the same thing with the Centers for Disease Control and the NIH. Their main mission is to deal with pandemics and massive diseases, and they've had an abject failure. The question is, are they going to be held into accounts? And unfortunately, I think there's a long history that indicates they won't. I hope we get a 9-11 commission. I hope we get a Roberts commission. But the problem is there's a lot of powerful people in Washington that don't want to be embarrassed, that have a lot of friends in Congress and other places. And so I'm not sure that accountability is going to uh, come. Uh, maybe I'm pessimistic. Uh, maybe I need to be more optimistic. But this is the central thing that we need to figure out coming out of the COVID pandemic if we want to deal with another one 
in a much better fashion. Because you're hearing all this talk about now there's these new Delta variants, there's all these other things going on, right? So what lessons did we actually learn? And, uh, you know, do we need to, I guess the question would be, was the response to the United States what it was? Like, is that just the reality of what happens when a global pandemic happens? Or if our public health infrastructure systems had been better prepared, could our response have been better? And could society have been spared the impact that we had? Well, you want to think if you're spending tens of billions of dollars right. on public health, you would have a better response than a guy like Dr. Fauci saying this is going to be just like the ordinary flu. The whole thing has been incredibly confusing. And I think part of it is because Fauci has been on both sides of this issue for a long time. Isn't it just theater? No, it's Without not. the vaccine and you're wearing two masks. Isn't that theater? No, that's not. Here we go again with the theater. Let, let, let's get down to the facts. Let me just state Dr. for the record that masks are not theater. I am now much more comfortable in in people seeing me indoors without a mask i mean before the cdc made the recommendation change i didn't want to look like i was giving mixed signals now in the united states people should not be walking around with masks one mask is good two masks are better a year or two or more from now that during certain seasonal periods mm -hmm. when you have respiratory borne viruses like the flu people might actually elect to wear masks is very, very strongly leaning towards this could not have been artificially or deliberately manipulated. So I wanted to ask, are you still confident that it developed naturally? No, I'm not convinced uh, about that. I think that we should continue to investigate what went on in China. And OK, people make mistakes, but then failure upon failure upon failure because their, their priorities are somewhere else. So I have got to believe that even if we doubled the NIH budget, the fact that they don't have their priorities right, the fact that they are engaged in mission creep, the, all the things we talk about, um, that um, things are not going to get better and they can be better. We need to demand it from our public health authorities. And I, just to be clear, when you're citing the Fauci saying this is going to be no worse than the flu, you're citing the emails, the internal emails that have been FOIA that we now have access to, as do some other people things that you're not hearing much discussion about in many quarters of the media. And that's, again, one of the things that we try to do for you here at The Drill Down is we do independent research, we do research nobody else is doing, and we talk about things that you're not going to get in most corners of the internet. That's right. We're going to hold our government officials into account, whoever they are, whatever their party affiliation, whatever their role, that is our number one job. Because if we don't do it, who else is going to? So that's what you uh, do here at The Drill Down. That's what we do. For more episodes, for more independent, groundbreaking, news-breaking investigations, find us on social media and find us at thedrilldown.com. Drill Down.com.